Years after the Battle of Venarium, a weary Conan returns to his homeland to seek rest in solitude. However, a mysterious scout rides in to warn the Sumerians of an imminent threat on the march from the Pictish wilderness. Will Conan and his new ally be able to hold off this new horde of invaders? Let's find out today on Hither Came Conan. Welcome to another episode of Hither Came Conan, the podcast that just wants to spend a little time in a backcountry tavern without the worry of a horde of undead warriors barging in and tearing the place apart. Is that too much to ask? I'm your host, my name is Steven, and yeah, we're going to do things a little differently this time around because rather than looking at an old issue of Conan, we're going to look at a brand new one. See, last week saw the release of Conan the Barbarian, number one, from Titan Comics, and I have read it three times now, once the day it came out, the second time, uh, same day, later that same day, and then uh, again today, and I'm just itching to talk about it. Before I do, however, I do want to assure all y'all that I will be getting back to the old Marvel issues. In fact, Next time, we'll be looking at Conan the Barbarian number 10 from July of 1971. It's just that once a month, whenever Titan releases a new issue of their run, that's what we're going to be talking about. So yeah, Conan the Barbarian number one, as I said, hit the stands last week on August 2nd, 2023. It was published by Titan, and it sports a cover price of $3.99 or $4.99 if you bought the digital exclusive edition, which... I did because it's got extra stuff in it that's not in the printed version, and I do love me some extra stuff. Of course, that extra stuff was just the first few pages of the newest Conan prose novel, Blood of the Serpent, which I suppose if you don't already have the book, that's some pretty good extra stuff. For me, however, I have the audiobook, so yeah, it would have been nice to have had that in the issue description to tell us, hey, This contains the first few pages of the Conan prose novel, Blood of the Serpent. That's your extra stuff. But no, all it says is this digital exclusive edition contains content not available in the print or regular digital edition and is exclusive to the Kindle. So yeah, that was a dollar wasted. So let's get to the book. We're going to do things a little differently this time around. When we talk about the Titan issues, it'll be just a bit different because Typically, what I'll do with the older, you know, Marvel comics, I will write up a synopsis. I typically will take the synopsis that's already been written up that's over on MarvelFandom.com, and I'll use that as my template and write up a new synopsis and give you that first. And then I'll just go through and talk about various things that stood out to me, how it may have been adapted from other stories and and blah, blah, and all that bippity bop. But today, We're just going to go through the book. We're just going to go through the issue, starting with the cover itself, which was done for us by Dan Panosian. It's a very, I mean, I have a feeling this is going to end up being a very iconic cover because it's just, it's Conan front and center holding an axe in one hand and a sword in the other. And he's looking very barbaric, you could say. And uh, it's a nice, well, it's a beautiful looking cover. First of all, Dan Panosian really knocked it out of the park here in this cover, on this cover, in this cover, with this cover. 
I don't know. But with that being said, it's 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 a simple cover, and and sometimes the the simpler the better when it comes to comics. You don't want a cover that's just way too busy. And this is just again Conan right on the front, looking angry, ready to kick some ass. And uh, I love it. I'm a big fan of this cover. Now there were other alternate covers, and I'm sure we'll talk about one here after a bit because it is the. Uh, Rob Della Torre cover, and it is just as gorgeous as this one, though it, it is a bit busier. So as we get into the issue, we start off with a page that gives us uh, a bit of the map from the Hyborian Age. It's not the full map. It shows Samaria with uh, Vanaheim and Asgard above it, Aquilonia, a bit of Aquilonia below it, Nemedia off to the east. But it's really centered on this fort called Venarium. It's north of Aquilonia. It's in the very southernmost part of Samaria. It was a, a fort built by the Aquilonians because they were trying to expand their empire at one point. And if you have the Free Comic Day issue of Conan the Barbarian from Titan, it gives you a brief look at the Battle of Venarium, which was Conan's first real experience with battle. He was uh, a much younger man at that point, anywhere from 15 to 18 years old, possibly even uh, 12 to 13, going up to 18, depending on which series of books you're reading, whether it's the prose novels, where, whether it's the, the, the pastiche novels, whether it's the Marvel version. His age varies. I don't know how old he was in the Titan version during the Battle of Venarium. I can't remember if it mentioned that at all in that free comic book day issue, but that is apparently supposed to be our, our focus here on this map. Now, the reason being is as the issue description states, which is what I read there in the, the cold opening of this episode, Conan has come back. He's coming back to Samaria. He, he's, He's been gone since the Battle of Venarium. Uh, uh, basically, when that battle was over, he set off to go seek his fortune in the wide world. And he's been out there thieving and uh, working as a mercenary and, 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 and various things. They don't really, you know, when it comes to the, the history of Conan, everything that he has done from the time he left Samaria to when he eventually becomes the king of Aquilonia, he has done all sorts of stuff. He was a thief. He was a mercenary. He led his own mercenary group. He was a pirate. He did all sorts of stuff. So it's not quite 100% clear everything that he has done between the time he left Samaria and the time he is coming back. So we don't know if he's, if he's been pirating or anything like that, but we do know that he is a member of a, of a mercenary force because as the story opens, we are in northern Aquilonia, very near the border to Samaria, and we are in a settlement called Hollers Rome, and specifically a tavern within Hollers Rome, where we see a bunch of men running from the tavern because there's obviously something going on inside. And when we turn the page, we get our title page and we see Conan fighting some other dude, just a, a big brawl going on within the tavern. And it's at this point that I'll warn you that there are boobies 
in this book. So, uh, you know, if you want to keep that kind of thing away from your children, don't let them read this book. It's, it's one panel, I think, but still it tells you what to expect in this story going forward. You know, you will see blood and you will see boobies. The title page tells us that this story is called Bound in Blackstone, Part 1, Scourge of the Dead. We get our credits here on this page. Grim Jim Zub is the writer. Ravaging Rob Delatore is the artist. Villainous Jose Villarubia is the color artist. Riotous Richard Starkings is the letterer. And Merciless Matt Murray is the editor. So we learn here that Conan is a member of this mercenary group. The guy that he is fighting, that he's he's whose whose ass basically he's kicking, is the leader of this mercenary group who Conan refers to as a coward. Something about corpses of their allies that was left at the bottom of a gulch, and this pummeling that he gives his mercenary captain. He tells him to consider this his resignation. Now, before we go any further. I can't really talk any more about this issue without bringing up the art here from uh, Rob Delatore. It's, God, it's gorgeous. If you are a fan of the John Buscema era of Conan comics over at Marvel, whether it was the main title, Conan the Barbarian, or the Savage Sword of Conan black and white magazine issues, Rob Delatore is... God, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of that freaking word. That drives me crazy. He is, um, his art is very, very reminiscent of John Buscema. And it might be considered heretical or blasphemous to say, but it's as if he has taken the Buscema style and perfected it because it's, it's just freaking gorgeous, gorgeous art. It is beautiful. And Maybe Buscema is just a big influence of his. I don't know. I don't know that I've run across any of his art in anything other than Conan before, as far as uh, Delatore. So I, I don't know if this is just how he draws, if he is just a, a, a big fan of Buscema, is highly influenced by Buscema. And so his style clearly shows that, especially in this book and in the free comic book day issue as well. So if you are a, a fan, as I said, of the John Buscema era of Conan over at Marvel, you are going to freaking love the look of this book because it is spot on. Like I said, it's it's Buscema, but better. And I might get punched in the face at some point in public for saying that, but it's just like my opinion, man. So after Conan beats up his captain, who who at one point during their fight, uh, some of the mercenaries tells Conan, all right, that's that's enough, Conan. You've made your point. And as Conan is is prepared to let the guy take his lumps, the guy stands up, pulls a knife and tries to stick Conan with it, who then knees the dude in the face and knocks him out. And the rest of the mercenaries are like, all right, well, I guess we got us a new leader. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to be your leader. I I quit. I'm heading north. I'm going into Samaria. And they hand over some money to him, his cut of the reward from, I, I don't know what battle. All, all we get here really is that there was obviously some sort of mission or a battle and their allies uh, with, within this battle or this mission, their friends uh, were cut down 
and the captain of this mercenary crew, I guess, just let it happen. And that's what Conan is really upset about. But two of the mercenaries, they they drag the captain outside. Conan takes a, a, a bag of money from another one of the mercenaries. He gives what appears to be the entire bag over to the 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 guy who runs the tavern to pay for any damage that he may have caused when he beat up his captain and to pay for his meal. And then he sits down to just, you know, have himself a, a tankard and, and, and some soup or stew or something. We get a, a beautiful double page spread that is basically our brief history of what has happened to Conan between the Battle of Venarium and now. It doesn't give us much. If you are a, a Conan scholar, maybe you can look at this and see. I don't know. I don't know what you'd be able to get out of this. It, it There's one panel where it looks like he's fighting a couple of dudes, three dudes that are, that are much bigger than him. That could be the Frost Giant's daughter storyline. Uh, the most of this two page spread appears to be the Battle of Venarium. And then we have two panels where he sneaks up on a bear and kills it for some reason. We don't, uh, maybe he just wanted the, the bear's fur or maybe he wanted something to eat as well, but he's come back. He's come back to Samaria. But before he can do that, however, there arrives a woman. Actually, first, a, a dude comes running into the tavern yelling out, Dark omens, dark omens and deviltry. Something's foul in the air and the sky's gone pitch. Basically, it just turned freaking dark, the dead of night outside, even though it's the middle of the day. And everything has gone quiet. You know, they're in this settlement, but it's a small settlement. They're, they're basically in the wilds. It's the small settlement with the tavern in the wilds north of Aquilonia to the south of Samaria. And there should be sounds of wildlife and whatnot out in the trees. But everything has gone silent. And a woman comes riding out of the trees. She appears to be a Pict. I don't know a lot about the Picts. I haven't gotten far enough into my Conan reading yet to know who the Picts are. I'm assuming, or at least I believe I may have read something that they are the uh like the the Celtic ancestors. They're they're what may become the Irish or the Scots, or I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm just talking out of my ass at this point, but she comes riding up. She's got blue makeup on her face and she's warning everybody of a army that is on the march. That's heading their way. It's an army. Unlike any that any of these folks have faced before. She says they will not stop till everyone in their path is dead these people here in this settlement, they are not about to abandon their homes and decide to stay and fight whatever army this is. And in fact, they they're basically they, they have scouts out in the woods, right? People out there that will tell them of danger that might be coming. And and the way they figure it is, if there is an army about to descend upon the town or this small settlement, their scouts would have warned them. So they think she's lying. And she tells them that they're the the scouts are dead and they need to leave. There, there's no time to to argue and mess about because they are all about to die. Well, it's at that point that the army shows up and it looks like an army of the dead. They look like zombies. The way they're drawn, it looks like they are moving fast. So they might be running zombies. They don't look like they are shambling slow zombies. They are the the running type and they come running up 
to this settlement and everything just goes to hell really quick because they attack the folks in the settlement, try to fight them off. Um, but they learn quickly that they're undead, so they don't really die easily. There, there's a moment here where Conan cuts the head off of one of them and the head kind of goes flying off and the, the head's still alive and it bites another guy. It just kind of like flies across from from where Conan chopped off its head. The head goes flying across and latches onto this guy's arm with its teeth. And so this this undead army make quick work of these the, the, the people from this settlement. The only two that appear to have survived are Conan and this Pictish woman. And they manage to make their escape. Conan sets fire to the tavern, uh, which will then set fire to the rest of the settlement to try and, I guess, take out this undead army. Conan and this woman escape up into the hills where they watch the settlement burn from a distance. We learn that the woman's name is Brissa of the Gurian tribe. She says she's been following this army, which she calls the Army of the Lost, for weeks. She says it's a, a lost tribe, Picts, who have fallen under the curse of some unearthly darkness. She tells Conan that they overtook her village and that her family and friends are all dead. She was the only one to escape, and she's basically made it her mission to follow this army and try to uh, warn anybody in its path that they're coming. She, she figures that there's really no way to stop it, so all she can really do is, is try to keep other villages and towns from suffering the same fate as her own. Conan suggests that she go north with him to Samaria, where he explains that his mountain kin are well-versed in turning back invading armies from their borders, whoever or whatever they may be. She tells him that it's too late for that. The army of the lost is larger than what he has seen. So this, this group that attacked this settlement she refers to as a raiding party, and it's just one small part of the entire army. And the way she talks about them, I don't know. The way they're drawn, they obviously look like zombies. They look like our, uh, an army of the undead. They have glowing eyes in the dark. Uh, but I don't know at this point. I don't think we as a, as, as a reader, we, we don't know if they are unthinking, mindless zombies that just are marching forward in one direction and anything that gets in their way, they kill. I feel like they have the capacity to think, or at least whoever, maybe there's somebody controlling them because she refers to this group as a raiding party. And zombies typically don't break off into raiding parties, you know? So I feel like either these, this army of the lost, they all uh, have some semblance of mental acuity or they are being controlled by someone that is, you know, I'm going to take a small group here and send them off this way and a small group here and send them off this way. But she explains to Conan that the, the group that attacked this settlement was just a raiding party, that the, the army is much larger and they're already in Samaria. And we get one last splash page showing a group of bearded men in furs with swords fighting some of these undead army of the lost creatures and we're going to assume that they are Sumerians of the north but they're they certainly are giving back what they're getting um this i think was a great introduction to whatever this story is going to be i'm hooked you know it's 
when it comes to reading new issues like this, uh, I'm so used these days. I'm so used to just reading issue after issue after issue because everything I read, most of everything I read are all back issues and it's all digital. And typically it's a collection. So I don't read just the first issue and then have to wait a month to read the second issue. So in that mindset, I look at this and I go, all right, well, that was kind of fun. Where's the rest of it? You know, for me, it seems really short, but I think compared to other new books that I've read over the last year, there was still a lot going on in this one. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those issues, uh, you know, one of these modern newfangled comics they put out nowadays that makes us old grumps get all upset because they're all compressed storytelling and takes them 25 pages to tell the same kind of story that it would take three pages of an old book from the eighties or the seventies to tell, you know, I'm not, it's, it's, it doesn't make me feel like that. It doesn't, I didn't feel like when I finished it, when I got to the last page, I didn't immediately think, Oh, 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 that's it. Where's the rest of it? You know, that happened really fast. You know, some issues I, you know, that are new, you start and within two and a half minutes, you're done. It does help that the art, again, is so, oh my God, this art just, I could just sit here and stare at this art for hours and hours. So I'm I'm uh, spending a lot of time as I'm reading this, just kind of sinking into the pages, just really looking them over and taking in everything that's on the page. Whereas some other books, the reason why it may take me only two and a half minutes to read is because the art isn't necessarily bad, but it's not something that I feel like I need to just sit there and just pour over. You know, I want to take in every inch of these pages and uh, I'm really happy. I'll just, I'll just say that I'm really happy with this first issue. I didn't know what to expect from Jim Zub when it comes to Conan, because I haven't really read any of his Conan stuff. Really, the only Jim Zub stuff I've read consistently Maybe the first six issues of Skull Kickers. I really got into that series when it first came out way back when, uh, but it happened to come out at a time where I was ending my love affair with comics at that time. And so I think just a handful of issues were released before I stopped reading comics. But I I really got into those books. Uh, but that's really my my only experience with Jim Zub. Now, I have some Marvel Conan stuff that I have not read yet that Jim Zub wrote. I guess it was the last of the Conan stuff that Marvel released before they their their licensing agreement ended before Conan moved over to Titan. And the last number of issues, I guess, were written by Jim Zub, which from what I understand, maybe how he ended up getting the job with with uh, Titan and I've heard good things about it. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet. And I, I will eventually, but I'm very, very happy, very, very pleased with this first issue. I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, I'm just really pumped that there's new Conan stuff coming out. And it not only met all my expectations, it leaped over those expectations. And really a lot of it mainly is because of the art. And from what I understand, I, what, what? podcast was that I think it was the Chromecast. Jim Zub was on an episode uh, a month or so ago, and he was talking about this upcoming Conan run. And one of the things he mentioned was that typically when he writes a comic, he will do a full script. But after talking to Rob Delatore about what he wanted to do here with Conan, Delatore suggested, hey, don't do a full script. 
let's do this the in the Marvel method, basically. So Jim Zub knows, you know, exactly the story that he wants to tell. And he gave, the way I understand it, Della Torre uh, an outline of the issues. And then Della Torre just drew them up in the way that he saw them unfolding. So it's the same story that Jim Zub is wants to tell, but it's not, you know, sometimes uh, a writer in comics can be one of two things. And if the writer is not in tune with the artist, then the writer will put together this full script that will actually say, all right, page one is going to have uh, three panels on it. It's going to be set up like this. And the, this is what's going to happen in the first panel. Uh, I, and, and actually describe what they want to see on each panel of each page, how they want it laid out, camera angles, all that stuff. Other writers, again, depending on the artists that they're working with, won't go into that much detail and will leave it up to the artist to, to, to lay everything out, to, to be, you know, the, the director as it is, like the, the, um, the director of photography, you know, sets up all the shots, decides what angles, what, what view we're going to get, which, where, you know, which direction the, the camera is pointing, how many people may show up in a certain panel, you know, that kind of stuff. But, the way that Jim Zub and Delatore have have tackled this book, the way they're working together to make this happen is working. It's again, this this uh is not that I thought it was gonna suck. Everything I I had heard about or saw as far as previews leading up to me actually reading this issue, I knew it was gonna be good, but it was actually much better than even I was hoping for. And uh I'm sitting here looking at this final page as I'm talking and and it's just, oh my God, the art. I just cannot talk about the art enough. You, you, there's just no way I can describe how how wonderful it looks. Again, other than to say, if you're used to John Buscema, Conan art, you know, that era from the from the 70s throughout the 80s in the Marvel run, this is that's exactly what you're getting here. Just freaking better. I mean, first of all. Obviously, the technology is much better now than it was then. So when it comes to coloring, the coloring looks, the coloring is great. I, I, I'm just as in love with the coloring as I am with the line art itself. And that's saying something because nowadays I'm not always a big fan of the way colors are put in a comic, especially with the various things that colorists can do using the digital coloring process. I think some colorists tend to uh, go a little bit over the top. They try a little bit too hard to leave their mark on the book, you know? And I think uh, Jose Villarubia just, oh my God, his coloring combined with De La Torre's art, it just works so well together. And then you add in Jim Zub's story and just everything is just simpatico it just all just works together so well and i think they've craft 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 i think they've crafted something very special here and i am really looking forward to reading more and more of this so yeah first reaction first issue titan conan the barbarian super pleased super excited for the future and uh we'll see how it goes from here I don't know that there's really much more I want to say. Uh, we could talk about the the back matter a bit. There is a, a a page of text here called Robert E. Howard and His Ages Undreamed of, Part One by Jeffrey Shanks. 
I don't know what to say about this. Um, it appears to be maybe a brief history of Robert E. Howard and the world that he has built with the Hyborian age, but there's really not much here. So uh, whatever point Jeffrey Shanks is trying to make here in this essay that he's written, I don't quite know what it is just yet because, you know, we're barely a quarter of, you know, if, if, if you, with the art that is included on this page, you've probably got, uh, you're thinking about a like a like a a book. You've got maybe a, a quarter of a page worth of text here, and that's not much when it comes to essays. So I don't know how many parts this little essay thing will be, but I guess we'll have those to look forward to in each issue. Um, we do have a letters page here with a couple of letters from folks who got to see. Uh, well, it looks like they are emails that came in based off of the free comic book day issue. We then get a couple of pages that give us all of the variant covers, most of which don't really stand out to me too much except for cover B, which is the Rob, uh, the Rob Delatore cover, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous cover folks. There is a, uh, a cover D a patch Zerker cover, which is a play. It's a, is a homage to the first Conan, the barbarian Marvel comics cover from Barry Windsor Smith. There's a, a cover E, a Mike Mignola cover, which is a very nice looking cover. And I, I would really like to see Mike Mignola art in a Conan book at some point. Um, there's, there's a number of covers here. I mean, there's a, a map wraparound cover, cover G. Uh, we have a Stanley Lau cover, an EM Geist cover, a sketch cover. We have a, uh, what they're referring to as a movie novel foil cover. So it looks like the, the cover to the original Conan the Barbarian Arnold Schwarzenegger movie poster slash novel. Then there are a lot of different, uh, there's a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive cover by Colleen Doran, a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive cover by Stanley Lau, which looks pretty much exactly like the cover C that he did. Uh, we have Diamond exclusive covers by Chris Jones. Or a diamond exclusive cover. There's there's a, a number of covers here. One, two, three, four, five, ten, thirty-two covers. Wow. We've got a Jay Lee cover. But the two that the the well, the three that really stand out for me would be the the main cover, the Dan Pinozian cover, uh, cover B by Roberto Delatore, and then the Mike McNola cover E. And then of course, if you have the digital exclusive. Then you've got the preview pages, preview text from the prose novel, which, again, I wish I would have known that going in. I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked up that version of the book, but eh, it is what it is. What did you guys think? Did, did you all read issue number one? Did you enjoy it as much as I did because I'm over the moon about it? I don't know if I'm expressing that properly here on this episode, but I, I really am super excited about this series. I really, really enjoyed this first issue. I mean. I've read it three times already, and that's pretty rare for me to read an issue more than once. And I didn't read it three times because I wanted to prepare myself for this episode because I don't feel prepared at all. You know, I'm talking right off the top of my head here, but I would have read it three times whether I was going to be doing this episode or not. So, yeah, that was issue number one, Conan the Barbarian, Titan Comics. Issue number two comes out later this month. 
So you've got that episode to look forward to. And then next episode will be Conan the Barbarian number 10 from July of 1971, which features a bull god or a giant minotaur, basically. And it's, it's, I'm, uh, it, it's a fun issue. So you can look forward to that. I'm also going to be reading an email next week. I wanted to save it for next week uh, because it is it. Yeah, if I can learn how to speak, it is in reference to the previous Marvel book I talked about, issue number nine, in which I had a lot to say about Robert E. Howard and and his racist views and and how that shows up from time to time in his Conan stories and what that means for us as a fan of Conan and how we. I don't want to use the word justify, but how 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 we can continue to be a fan of Conan when the creator uh, has been known to spew a lot of hate. Uh, I I got an email that directly relates to that, so I wanted to save that for next week when we're talking about issue number ten. Uh, so that's something else you can look forward to next time. So until then, folks, keep them swords close by and never stop treading them jeweled thrones. Bye. <laughs> Hither Came Conan is a Stephen R. Else production. Find more podcasts at stephenorelse.com. Questions and comments can be directed to stephenorelse at gmail.com. Find me online at Twitter, Spoutable, and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else, and join my newsletter, Stephen Says Stuff, at list.justanotherfanboy.com. This is a free substack where I will send every single podcast episode I host right to your inbox the morning that they are released. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to give you and your fellow patrons podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else. I also encourage you to rate this show wherever available and share this episode with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. Why do you cry? He's Conan, Samarian. He will cry. So I cry for him. Enough talk! <laughs> <laughs>